Let's go. Welcome to Vision Quest Health and Wellness. We are so happy to have you along with us today as we dive into information, the science of nutrition, but also the psychology and how we can better our own health and wellness. Come along with us and let's get to it. Well, hello and welcome everyone to our latest uh, edition of Rooted in Health. I'm Lori Ventura, Director of Wellness for Vision Quest Wellness at Vision Quest Coaching, and I'm joined here today with Charlotte Backus. So excited to continue our conversation on all things nutrition. Today is the second part of a three-part series on Nutrition Basics. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to the first episode on Nutrition Basics, you might want to do that. That covers all of Nutrition 101 at a high level, <laughs> big ideas. Today, we're going to be talking about macro and micronutrients, and our third installment will be on hydration. So thanks for being here again, uh, Charlotte, and uh, supporting all things wellness in Rooted in Health. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's sunny here, finally in Park City for the first time, which is surprising, but um, yeah, really enjoying it. I'm so glad we're already cruising into episode three. This is Yay. this is awesome. And I love talking about this stuff. And well, and I love talking to you about it. So I'm excited to be here and uh, let's just get, get into it right away. So we hear a lot of talk in, um, in you know, nutrition about macros and micros. Let's review quickly for everybody or maybe not quickly, but let's review. What do people mean when they say macros? What is that short for? And tell me what that includes or tell the listeners yeah. what that includes. Yeah. Macronutrients, it's macro. So macro meaning big and they're called macronutrients. And this is in the form of nutrition It's carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, but they call this because we require them in relatively large amounts compared to these micronutrients, which we can get to in future episodes, which are kind of the vitamins and minerals that are needed in way smaller quantities. The macronutrients, the protein, the carbs, the fat are three really important groups that we need to consume to thrive, to live, to work, to move, to even breathe. Great. All right. I like that synopsis. So um, what are they let's just jump right into, um, you know, for example, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, right? They each have unique properties in the func in the functions within our body. Um, which one do you want to start with? I'll start with carbs. I know this <laughs> one's, this one's kind of controversial. I mean, it's so funny because like every macronutrient is controversial. Yeah. Someone's saying this one does better than this and this one does better than that. But the overall goal, I think, for overall wellness and achieving health-specific goals and fitness goals, you really have to focus on macronutrients on what you are doing for the most. So you want a balance of all of them at one point. You don't want to just stick to one forever. Um, depending on the year, depending on if you're doing sports, depending on if you got burnt or you got injured, all of those macronutrients are going to play a huge role and so it's really important to number one just try to focus on getting a balance of all of them it doesn't have to be all the time and it doesn't have to be every day where you freak out it's like oh i didn't have my carbs today it's okay if you know we miss the ball a few times but the ultimate goal is to make sure our bodies are getting a balance of all three of them simultaneously yeah 
because I feel like, you know, to your point, I feel like carbohydrates are have a bad rap and they're really important in certain dietary um, regimes, right? And, and we use the word diet here is not something you go on or off, but re- regular steady intake of food. Like what is your diet, right? Your consumption. And so um, I feel like, you know, working in the, in the lab doing DEXA scans, I feel like I do hear people having, expressing concerns about carbohydrate intake. So can you talk a little bit about um, what we use carbohydrates for and um, why they're important? Yeah. Well, first I did want to quickly just say tracking macros is kind of a better than just tracking calories. I know it's really Mm -hmm. tempting to be like, okay, you're looking at the label. It says this many calories, so we're going to track that many calories but it doesn't incorporate those three groups. And so I think it's a really healthy way to track macros over calories Mm -hmm. because you can really dial in your specific dietary needs, um, depending on what you want to do to build muscle, lose fat. Tracking macros is also easier. It's kind of thing, it's not so stressful, you know, because I think when we start seeing the calories add up, we're like, oh gosh, but if we see a nice balance of the macros we want to see in the percentages, it's a little bit lighter on the mind. It's more positive. So then it's more of a positive goal to get to rather than kind of surrounding this negativity. So Mm -hmm. like you said, yeah, carbs kind of have this bad rep, but they are incredibly helpful to our body. Um, One of the things they help with the most is our mind. And yes, our brain has a lot of kind of fat around and whatnot to function, but for our brain to fire out signals to your body, to initiate hormone responses, to initiate anything, 70 to 90% of our brain runs off of carbohydrates as a primary source of energy. And that's kind of what carbohydrates are. They embody a primary source of energy. And you know they're found in foods as grains, fruits, vegetable, dairy products with lactose, um, but they're broken down into glucose. And what that glucose does is it goes into the system called the Krebs cycle that creates this ATP. So it's called adenosine triphosphate. And so it starts with ADP because it's adenosine, adenosine ditriphosphate. So it's just two molecules and it needs to be three. And so to get that third molecule, that carbohydrate is broken down into glucose. That glucose is turned into pyruvate through Krebs cycle. Um, and then it turns into ATP. And that's just one molecule that powers many, many cellular responses and processes. So that glucose, it only comes from carbs. You can't really get much from protein. You can get little bits, but that carb source is really important and we need energy in our body. And this is where I really like to emphasize if you're doing high intensity sports, if you're doing lots of like intense activity or whatnot, you need that energy to fuel those efforts. Because if if you don't have that, your body's going to try to resource somewhere else, or you just won't be able to achieve those goals. So I'm always telling people, you know, if you're doing that high intensity stuff, the carbohydrates are your friend. And some people are like, well, it's just going to store away. And I'm afraid I'm, it's going to add as fat and whatnot. But if you are doing high intensity, and you are given the energy you need to produce higher power or more energy, then you're going to burn it off. So, and what they're do you, important. 
What do you define? Yeah, it is. And so I think this is great too, because I think sometimes um, we need to create a better understanding of what we mean by high intensity or endurance work. So do you have like a, a rule of thumb for like, if you're working out more than X amount, whatever that is, you need to make sure you're having enough carbohydrate or do you have any... Yeah, you, you, we can get really complicated and go into yeah. like Joe Friel's zones <laughs> and all of that stuff, you know, in the cycling world. More but, on the simple side. Like, yeah, I, it's, yeah. easier to, it's easier to stay simple, actually. I, I kind of like to use, it's called PRE, perceived rate of exertion. Great. Zone one, so like endurance, that's all like burning fat as fuel. That's when you're just kind of like walking fast. You're almost, you, you know, you're breathing, but you're not short in breath. You know, you're, you're there and you could do it for hours. You could, you could walk for days. People, oh, people are incredible where they hike, they do this ultra walking, they ultra hiking and stuff. They walk for days. And so that is a primary fat burning as, so it, your body use, utilizes fat a little bit more than carbs, but there's always this kind of like switchover point to where you start breathing harder and you're sprinting and you're like, Ooh, I could only probably do this for like 20 minutes. Or you're like, Oh, I can only do this for two seconds where you're, you know, doing jump roping, jump roping's hard. That's pretty intense where you're breathing and it's, it's hard. Um, that kind of is where that switch goes to where your body needs carbs because you start going into this anaerobic. So there's aerobic and anaerobic and anaerobic is without oxygen. And your body has to work a lot faster without oxygen because oxygen is also part of the ATP process. We need it to create the ATP. And if it's limited, our bodies are really going to have a high demand for carbs, a really high demand for glucose. So it can create the energy fast and quick turnover. So we can keep doing that movement for at least the 20 seconds. And so when you start doing those movements where let's, you know, you're sitting down and all of a sudden you jump up and run across the house and run back. That's pretty high intense. It doesn't mean you need like a gel or you need carbs right from doing that moment. But if you're doing repetitions of that for a specific workout and whatnot, I'd say, you know, if it's an hour of that, you need, you need at least 20 to 30 grams of carbs at least to help fuel. And I always like to keep the mindset of it's going to burn off, but what it does is it helps that metabolic health. Kind of like we were talking on the last episode is if you aren't fueling for that effort, your body's going to kind of conserve and go into this like lower mode. Mm -hmm. But if you're fueling with those carbs, you're going to have more energy, you're going to have more clarity, and you're going to push harder, you're going to feel better. And you're going to kind of create this really positive aspect to producing that energy. Therefore, you're going to be producing more energy, burning more, adding to a healthier metabolism. So, so do I understand it correctly, that if we're working out at, and we have an effort that pushes us like to zone three or four. Um, so we're, we're, you know, breathing heavier, it's harder to talk, um, <clears throat> or not able to talk. <laughs> Those are the times where we're really recruiting the carbohydrates in our fuel source. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's important. we get fuel from, from what I think I heard you say, we have, our fuel comes from either fat or sugar slash carbohydrate. Right. And yeah. so the lower efforts, 
just for like the everyday person, myself, non-athlete, the lower efforts and zone one and two really are recruiting fat uh, for fuel. And those higher efforts are recruiting carbohydrates. Okay. Yeah. And it's still though, good to note, like if you're doing endurance and stuff, it's yes. still good to have carbohydrates, just not as much. Cause the, the thing is carbohydrates is four grams per, or sorry, four calories per gram. Okay. And fats are nine calories per gram. So you're getting a lot more energy within the fat for less. So they're more nutrient dense than carbs. And so when you're doing, I, I work with a lot of ultra athletes, yes. you know, when they're doing these huge 24 hour rides, okay. you're not going to be wanting to consume hundreds of grams of carbs. It's hard on the system because it's a lot on the GI system. Mm -hmm. And so if a mix of fats and carbs, is helpful for the endurance because you also don't need as much because fat is nutrient dense and they're going so, at a lower and a lower rate. But if they like start climbing a hill or they do anything that's over, I say tempo or zone three, you got to start fueling with that glucose or else you're not going to be able to produce that and you can bonk as well. Great. Yeah. Thanks for that. Well, you know, the other thing I'm thinking of too is just the idea here that fueling, there's general guidelines, right? But so much of it is also really individual. So, you know, whether we're talking about performance in sport or whether we're talking about just general health and well-being, you know, there are folks who don't metabolize carbohydrate well, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, right? Their uh, metabolism of carbohydrate is curious to me. I mean, I'm not a physician. I'd love, you know, but every conversation I have with a physician about it is they just don't metabolize it well. And so that like, that's an appropriate use of a low carb diet. Right. But not necessarily for everybody. Yeah. It, well, I love how you made that point because it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, if someone has a medical condition where they can't metabolize carbs, it doesn't mean that carbs are bad. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's some people that can just only eat carbs and love carbs and they're fine. They metabolize it great. Like Keegan Swenson, a, an amazing cyclist out there. He will slam hundred to 200 grams of carbs an hour, which is really hard to do when you're doing these high intensity gravel races, but he, he's a winner. He's fast. It works for him. And so, and he does it in the form of just liquid calories in his bottle. And some people can't even stomach that. So, that's, I think, a really good note to make is pro cyclist or regular person or not, you know, it's important to really focus on yourself. Everyone has their own individual needs and, and it's not going to be the same for years and years. It's going to change as you age. It's going to change based on the season. It's going to change where you live, um, where you're located, where, what life habits you have. Um, and for women, it changes monthly. You know, we have certain cravings each month, you know, because our body is wanting the extra energy. Stacey Sims is an awesome person with great research, you know, where she actually said, you know, we carve or we crave carbohydrates because our bodies want that energy in order to do the monthly needs, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Right. And so we're often just responding to a, a need, you know, that our body has. We're craving it. Sometimes we think of it as like a lack of will or discipline when you're like, I need some carbohydrate. 
Um, but I love it. She, so she eloquently points that out. And also Karen Malkin, I don't know if you've ever worked with her, yeah. you know, just the idea that you're really just needing to listen to what it is that's driving that craving. Um, but so I love, I love how you said that. So just to kind of, what would you say the major takeaway is when people are considering their carbohydrate consumption? Like what are the top two or three things that they need to think about? Yeah. Um, one is it changes based on year. I, uh, the RDA, um, is also the recommendation is 45 to 65% of your total daily calorie intake is from carbs. But again, that yeah, changes. Yeah. And earlier in the, in the podcast, you mentioned carbs, including fruits and vegetables, not just grains, just to clarify. So yeah. So yeah, it was just going to say like, it's not like, oh, great. Then I can have all the chips I want. Um, <laughs> it's, it's those whole grains. It's the fruit. It's the vegetables, especially the vegetables could be carrots. It could be tuber vegetables, more of that with other micronutrients that you need, but also better digestibility. So I always like to, you know, white rice is great. You can have it. It's not like a, it, that's what another thing is. We don't want to make fear out of mm -hmm. simple carbs because they will be our friends. If you're going to be doing a really high intensity effort for a long time, I always would load up on white rice before a big race because mm -hmm. it would top my glycogen stores. But that is something I wanted to note is our bodies have a limited capacity to store this glucose. We can't store ultimate amounts. And so, and it's usually in our muscles. So we have to maintain regularly with carbohydrates to keep our energy levels up. And that also goes into hormonal health. If we aren't maintaining, because a lot of people think, okay, it's fats and fats are really important for hormonal health, but carbohydrates create the energy. They create the ability for our bodies to maintain that hormonal health. So if we're not getting sufficient energy to, like from that carbs to maintain that, our bodies aren't gonna have a great hormonal balance. I've, saw, I've seen some newer studies um, re resolving around the hormonal health and lack of carbs. Again, if you have a medical condition, Mm -hmm. We listen to your medical condition and we work with that, but it doesn't mean that that works for everybody else. So carbohydrates have the really important functions in the body because they also have fiber. If you're getting it through whole sources, they have lots of fiber, which helps your digestion, which again, goes back to the metabolism. And we really ultimately want a good metabolism. All right. Thanks for that synopsis. So we are going to now talk about some of those myths. Do you want to tackle those? What do you yeah. think? Oh, this yeah. about related to carbohydrates. So do you have any ones you want me to hit first or just jump in? Jump right in. Okay. Uh, carbohydrates are bad for you. Tell us why that's a myth. I think we already kind of nudged at this, but you can just synop. You but know. it's a big myth out there. It's like I have to be honest, if you, when carbohydrates were kind of beginning to be like, oh, this is bad, this is bad, because first of all, it was low fat, then, mm -hmm. then it was all these others, and now it was like carbohydrates. And so I, this was quite a few years ago, but I, I was scared of carbs. I was like really reducing my carbohydrate intake. I wasn't doing well on the bike. My training was suffering. I wasn't being able to, I couldn't concentrate as much. Um, 
because I, I wasn't getting the energy I needed for a, develop, a developing college student. And so they're not, they're important. Like we said, they're important for energy. There's a time and place for them. It doesn't mean we can diss them and have to take them completely away, but there's sometimes we don't need them as much, you know? So it's really good yeah. to focus on the balance of your individual needs. Yeah. Not based on what Joe Schmo says. <laughs> Such a good point. You know, it just really depends on how much energy you need, right? Yeah. And how exactly. much you're doing. And I think COVID, you know, that time frame when people were sitting so much more and not leaving the house, you know, the daily average walking equivalency dropped such a high, you know, considerable amount. Yeah. I think that's when, you know, we had to pay attention to how much energy are we consuming based on how much we're actually, you know, using in a day. <laughs> that's when it's that myth can kind of, you know, be true, right? Like, okay, if you're just hanging out, you really don't need a ton. Um, but for anyone moving, um, you know, in more active lifestyle or even an athlete come into play. Okay. Next myth. Yeah. All carbohydrates are created equal. Talk about that. I like this one. Cause yes, then this is like that whole chips thing. It's like, oh, great. I can eat all the chips in the world. You can have chips. It's fine. It's again, we don't want to be afraid of things like that, but they're not all the same. Not all carbohydrates are the same. The ones that we're talking about is those whole grains, the fruits, the vegetables that are kind of the whole source mm -hmm. rather than kind of the simpler refined ones, which would be, you know, sugar and processed foods. Usually this is another thing is, you know, this is kind of on the whole processed food episode we did yeah. is it's not just carbs. It's, it's sugar. It's well, sorry. It's like five different types of sugar, but it's also some fat and it's also a lot of sodium. So it's not just that whole source. Whereas like fruits and vegetables have hydration, they have carbohydrates and they have micronutrients. And they also have fibers that help you help those carbohydrates digest a bit slower and things be more bioavailable to your body. So, they're not all the same. Okay. Next myth. Um, carbohydrates cause weight gain. Talk about this. Yes. This is a good one. Is that um, a myth? <laughs> well, again, consuming yeah. excess calories will add to weight gain. Um, so you're saying whether it's carbohydrate or um, fat, or protein, if we consume excess more than we're using, yeah. regardless of the macro, it'll, we'll gain weight. Yeah. Anything again, this kind of, this is where, cause I'm the, I've never been a big fan of like the calorie in calorie out thing mm -hmm. because not all calories are the same, but this is kind of where it does remain true is if we are not exerting any energy and we're eating more than we're exerting, then we're going to gain weight. Cause that's, that's what our bodies want. It's actually, you know, I don't want to diss it because that's yeah. what our body should be doing. That's how we're supposed to survive. So at least your body's like, okay, I'm being innate and I'm going to survive and pack on some weight. Um, but it's again, that concept of anything you could, you could probably overeat anything. And again, we don't want to overeat on anything. We want a balance of things because that's what our body's like. We like, we're complicated. We're not like the cats that can have the same cat food every day. <laughs> you know, we need, 
we need balance of different things and it changes because we're very active and the human humans in general have really evolved into something incredible. We think, I mean, look what we created. I'm, I'm always like, sometimes like just driving and I'm like, wow, humans, we're crazy. We like the, the technology in our brains and the smarts. And so that requires a lot of, a lot of work from the cells and, and we need a lot of fuel for that. So talk a little bit about when we do take on carbohydrate and that met what happens, why people always say they feel like they gain weight overnight or <laughs> something if they eat a bowl of pasta. Why, what, what's happening there? Yeah. I love this one. And I also like tell my athletes who weigh themselves the day after a really hard ride because <laughs> again, carbohydrates you, and you mentioned this earlier, they actually have your body add more water. Right. Mm -hmm. You said, what was it like one gram of think, water? Yeah. I think it's for every gram of carbohydrate you consume, you need, I think one to one and a half grams of water, you know, to, to met metabolize it. Yeah. And so you need more water. So your body's going to add more water and water's heavy. I mean, if you've ever like tried to lift those big jugs or <laughs> gotten those cases of water, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so heavy. Um, so if you consume something that's high in carbs, your body's going to retain a little bit more water. And, you know, usually also if you're planning this properly, you're consuming higher amounts of carbs for like, let's say a hard activity, long activity. If you're thinking I'm like doing a half marathon or a full marathon, that also is ripping into your muscles. So if you're doing a hard workout and stuff like that, you're ripping into your muscles and to also repair muscles, you need more water to help repair the, the water like surrounds the muscle and the carbohydrates are burning. And so you retain water. So that next day you're going to be heavier. So I like to say per, people on healthy diets can fluctuate weight so much within just a day. I have done, I have honestly fluctuated 10 pounds in one day because wow. of eating whole foods, you know, starting mm -hmm. dry in the morning, and then, you know, staying super hydrated, eating big salads, you know, and, and stuff like that, that has helped me maintain my health. And you can fluctuate a lot of weight because mm -hmm. water's heavy. How and much so, of that, so how much of that for you, I don't know, 10 would be, you know, more as a result of all your training as an athlete and your body's ability to kind of take and like prepare itself for a big event, right? Is that, yeah. is that something that everyone's, I know, like, for example, Robbie can also like onboard a ton and, and fill up his stores so that he's ready yeah. for a big event. I feel like if I did that, <laughs> it would just stick around as fat in a day or two, probably because I'm not doing the big event. Right. Or how's that? Yeah. That's the thing is you got to use what you're going to burn. Um, it it's that big event, you know, could be a 10 hour gravel race. Um, okay, you're going to use it, <laughs> but if it's like an hour workout, you don't really necessarily need to like very much top off the night before it's important to just, again, focus on balance. And I did want to note, you know, protein is very important. We'll get to that next, but it's not so much of an energy source. So I've had people who consumed a lot of protein before doing a workout, even if it was just endurance and they had a lot of GI distress because 
it's kind of getting in the way as, as, yeah. as the energy. So again, it's focusing on how much are you going to exert really trying to stay within that, you know, 45 to 65% range of your total calories. And there's really great calculators out there. You said precision nutrition has an awesome calculator. You can say, I work this many times out, you know, I work out this many times and sedentary and whatnot. And they kind of calculate a good balance. And, and I, I recommend you to go look at that and, and change it around. If you're like, Oh, I'm training for a marathon. You might want a little bit higher on the carbs. If you're like, um, I'm totally stuck at work. I don't know what to do. You might want a little bit lower on the carbs still there though. You don't want to completely, this is where it gets into the hard moment where everyone just like totally takes the food group away. Mm -hmm. Our bodies need that. So. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I, I love that you brought up the precision nutrition macro guide because for our wellness clients, you know, we can provide that for them and it allows for a range of diet preferences, and even how many times they want to eat in a day. And so we can really, you know, if they're preferred two, three, six, four times in a day for their meals, depending on their lifestyle, we can really customize that macronutrient guide. Um, so we found that to be pretty effective. And also like how they help keep track of it, right? Through like fist size and all of that. Um, it seems to be really effective and sustainable, which I think is one of the most yeah. important things. And in a healthy lifestyle is what what habits do you form and can you keep <laughs> right yeah i like that word sustainable because you could yeah I mean, yeah you can drop the weight really fast you can you know take a group out really fast and and get what you need to be done really fast but is that mm -hmm. sustainable for the long term and and that's where that yo-yo dieting kind of comes in where people you see people lose the weight then they are deficient and then they have moments they binge and that creates a really bad like mental habit with food and whatnot we want the balance we want the long-term approach yeah okay so do you want to start to move on to protein you mentioned yeah. why how, how sometimes I think that was a good place to pick it up you uh you know eating protein before a workout can give you an upset stomach let's talk about maybe why but also what protein's role is in our nutrition yeah it's like well great why wouldn't protein be energy and stuff because protein is essential for growth so that's kind of why it would probably cause some stomach issues because protein actually takes a long time to digest. And so if your body's like, what the heck is this? I'm not going to digest this when you're asking me to sprint. No way. Um, because protein is essential for muscle repair, growth, and maintenance of body tissues. Um, hormonal health too. A lot, all these macronutrients are really important for hormonal health. But when it comes to working out hard, or let's say you're cooking and you burn your hand, you need good protein because to repair, you think of our body has billions of cells. And if you burn, let's say your hand or you get scraped up, all those cells have just died off and your body is putting every energy there to repair. It's, oh. it's really incredible what our bodies do to repair a cut. Even yeah. if it's like a little like paper cut, you got opening a piece of mail. Um, if we ever get mail these days, but <laughs> Um, it's crazy what the body actually does to repair because it, it literally grows tissues and new skin. And it's just like, I think I just, I don't know why, but I think it's just absolutely incredible. I'm like watching 
each day you can see there's a scab that forms yeah. and then there's a skin and then it's gone poof maybe a scar but it's crazy yeah and so protein that's all protein's job that's and what, what it is does. what is it in the protein that does that like why because i think people think you know protein just for protein's sake but really it's a vehicle for other things right that's like what the the protein is what's really in there yeah, so it's easy for us to kind of get stuck into just the general, like, okay, carbs are carbs, proteins are proteins, yeah. but it's good to understand kind of what's involved in them. And so there's 20 essential, well, 20 amino acids that are abundant in protein. So amino acids, that's kind of what makes up protein. That's what helps build the muscle. Now, nine of those are essential. We cannot all the other ones we can get through our body our body kind of figures it out our body creates it again crazy <laughs> i don't know how our body does it but Amazing. it just creates these amino acids um but nine of those our body's like nah we have too much work to do you need to eat these so i can get these and you can really only find those amino acids through protein so there's nine of them that we need and it's good to have them all together so you can find like of course meat is the the biggest example of a perfect protein because it's got nine essential amino acids it's got good protein depends on the meat fish is really good dairy products legumes again this is all based on like if you are dairy free or if you're vegan it's okay you know but you really want to make sure you're getting the balance of protein like veganism is awesome i think it's it's any kind of people who are trying different diets and i hate saying diets but like lifestyles yeah you know i think it's good but again we have to focus on the macronutrients so if you're like okay i'm gonna go vegan you gotta really make sure you're getting nine essential amino acids so you know reach out to a nutritionist like me or mm -hmm. ask lori you know if you combine beans with rice you get nine essential amino acids it's just how you get that protein in is important because we need those essential amino acids to repair, to rebuild, and to help with our body's tissues and whatnot and produce hormones, enzymes, mm -hmm. and other important molecules. So I want to ask you about this. So, so there's all, always, you know, supplements, right? Like amino acid supplements. What are your thoughts about that? And then we had a conversation earlier about Bragg's amino acids yeah. and Alan Lim's use of that as a substitute for soy sauce, which I thought was fantastic. I mean, this was years, years ago, maybe, I don't even know, 15, 20 years before I knew of it in the mainstream, right? And so talk a little bit about that, like supplements, uh, amino acid supplements, um, if what your opinion is on that, and then the use of something like the Bragg's amino acid. Yeah. Supplementation's funny. <laughs> I, I love it, but I also don't. And so this is where I kind of get to always have a food first approach. I mean, our bodies are meant to eat food, use that food and turn it into what it needs. And so if you really tackle your diet and get the amino acids that way, you won't really need to supplement. Now I can only see if people really needed to supplement if they were bulking. So like mm -hmm. doing weightlifting and needing an excess amount. But again, we have to think careful about that excess amount because anything in excess in our body goes to the kidneys, to the liver. And because those are the, the organs that help pro like process and get rid of things, the excess amounts. 
And if you overload that system, it can be really toxic. And so I've seen people who have overdone it with supplements because supplements, you know, usually you can find it in a pill form. Mm-hmm. They're loaded, loaded with a lot of amounts. And sometimes when we need that much, even like an example, melatonin, you probably only need about one gram. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm looking up the supplements and there's like, like five or 10 grams. It's too much. And so I always like to say food first approach. That is the most important. But if you are to look at a supplementation, maybe look at a po- protein powder that you can add as a, a snack and know that protein powder is considered a supplement, but also make sure you know the source of your supplement because a lot of supplement companies out there are not FDA regulated. And that means they can put whatever the heck they want in there or they could have cross contamination. So I use a really good website called Consumer Labs okay. and they test these they test these products to make sure they're actually the real whole source and not too much with cadmium and all this stuff that you can find in supplements because you look at a powder and it could be even spices too. You look at a powder and you could be like, you don't know what's in it. So, so what's again, that? That tell us a little bit. Tell the listeners a little bit about that website and how they can check things out that they're using. Yeah, yeah it's because consumerlabs.com. You can sign up. Um, I love it, and and you can see they do a lot of batch testing. So they'll take all these like protein powder companies and actually take that powder into their lab, test it to see how much protein it has how much sodium it has, and they will compare it to the label that they slap on the product. And if it's like completely off by a certain amount, they will flag it as, you know, not accepted for consumer labs. Because, you know, it's you want the label to be real. You want it to say what it has in it on what it has in it, you know. So I, I would recommend that. But again, back to if that's stressful, if you're like, oh my gosh, then am I eating the right stuff? And whole foods, go back to the whole foods. Then you don't even have to worry. Then, and the thing is, if you don't have to supplement, you don't need to, if you're getting it through your foods, then you don't have to worry about like having pills every day and, you know, sorting things out. So it's just important to really focus on it. But again, sometimes we need it. Like in the winter, I know I need to supplement with D which is not the best source to get it through a supplement. It's the best to get it through the sun, but it at least helps a little bit with my mood when I'm not seeing the sunshine. So there's a time and place. We should never be on supplements forever. We should, they change daily. I just had an intervention with someone who was on a whole bunch of supplements and having a lot of health issues with high, high liver enzymes. And it was because they were taking way too many supplements and also eating a really healthy diet. So it was like, "Mm, you're fine. So it's important. Mm -hmm. That could be another podcast, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I think we're going to incorporate that at some point. Just the idea of how important it is for your supplementation to be personalized and individualized and monitored. Right. Yeah. So you don't right. just want to take, you mentioned liver enzymes. Well, how, how did they know their liver enzymes were high? Tested. Blood Not tests. tested. Yep. Mm-hmm. Blood tests, which are important. Yeah. I love yeah. inside tracker because it's, it's shows all the biomarkers and, yeah. and it's a really great source. And I think it's important to get blood tested. 
Yeah. And so, so we'll save that for another yeah. day, but a really important conversation and just for, for the listeners to tuck into their pocket is, you know, supplements are highly personalized. I think I've heard even Dr. Sprouse say he wouldn't have a blanket recommendation except for vitamin D in Northern climates mm-hmm. in the winter, <laughs> but otherwise yeah. it's so cost. It's so personal. Um, and sometimes like I'll use like supplements. I know like we all go through moments of mental health and mental issues. Yeah. Um, I was struggling a few months ago. It was winter, it was cold. And yeah, I was taking a little bit of vitamin D, but I needed some extra help just for my mental clarity. Sure. You know, so I took some pharmacaba and 5-HTP, which helped me sleep better. And then I was good. And so I'm back off it and thriving. Um, it's just a time and place. But yeah, we'll get to that later. Yeah. All of these, all of these threads really point to the idea of knowing and like learning and studying yourself. Right. And being, I think that's like where true health, um, you know, starts. And it's not like from a narcissistic point of view, like thinking only about yourself, but really understanding how you feel, how foods make you feel, um, and taking care of yourself. I know we use the word self-care redundantly right now, especially yeah. after the pandemic, but um, it really does mean more than grooming, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's important. looking at all those levels, having the blood work or the urinalysis, all those things done, which take time, but really should be prioritized. We'll get back to that later. Right now, let's talk about a little bit more about protein. You, you mentioned briefly earlier in our conversation just about the recommended amounts of dietary protein a day. So if someone's wondering if they should be supplementing or not, um, and having that, you know, reflective process in their own care, what are the recommendations? And I know there's ranges, right? It's, it can be pretty big spectrum, you know, continuum there for how much. It's it's a huge range. So the RDA says 0.8 grams per kilogram. Sorry, we're just saying kilograms. Uh, You can easily convert that, but the RDA says 0.8. That one's, that one's been there for a while. It's been there for years. Um, and then now there's more evidence where research is suggesting it's more of like 1.2 to 2.2 grams per kilogram. So it's kind of going up a little bit. And so mm-hmm. it's confusing. And I think it, again, goes to show these ranges, they're so individually based. And mm-hmm. I think if you're active and you're also aging, if you're a female, um, and you're going through menopause, especially. Again, remember how I mentioned how protein is one of the important cursors to like hormonal health. It yes. produces hormones. So we can't restrict that, but it can be hard to get protein. So if it's just an extra protein shake a day, that helps. But I would try to stay at least above one gram per kilogram of body weight. And I, I say weight we go by weight because we don't want to go exactly by specific grams because it could be very different for someone who's six foot tall to where someone's who who's only a hundred pounds mm-hmm. and really small. So that's why it's good to go by your weight. Cause it's kind of more onto your, your body, your body size. Yeah. And your weight dictates your need uh, and to some degree, right? Because you know, it, how much, mass you carry around or weight you carry around um requires different effort right and so exactly yeah and again time and place too because and also in in protein amount and 
during meals, you don't want to, you, I like to say, try to consume at least 30 grams. Now there's this, it's this funny threshold. If you try to like, oh, okay, I'm going to just have a meal with a ton of protein. Too much is too much for your body to produce or process in one moment. So it won't actually synthesize that protein. So I always like to say it's like a 30 gram per meal is a happy medium because too little, it's not enough and too much. It's, it's too much. So we want to be like within that good range. So it's good to space that protein out throughout the day. You don't want to just slam it all in one bout because our bodies can only process so much. So it's important. Um, I always like to kind of get a little bit of protein and carbohydrates after a workout. And then I get a nice balanced meal of the good balance of, you know, it could be 28 grams to 35 grams of protein. It doesn't have to be exact. Um, but again, the goal is to focus on that balance throughout the day. You want to make sure it's well spaced because it also goes into feelings of satiety. Protein is, it makes you feel full. So if you're balancing it out throughout the day, through your meals, the, the bigger meals and, and snacks, especially, you're going to feel full and that satiety level is going to help. You won't have as much ghrelin, that, that hunger. Mm-hmm. It's more of that. It helps actually initiate leptin, which is that feeling full. So you don't have to be hungry all the time. Yeah. You know, I think that's such a good point too, because in the lab, uh, when we do people's, you know, macro guides or looking at their body comp and um, just kind of looking at recommended ranges for intake, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we say to prioritize the protein percentages first, because (laughs) often getting those in is so filling, right? And so I know a lot of, you know, as you age, we've talked about that. Um, I kind of always go back to, I think we go back to where we're standing often, but you know, that menopause, post perimenopausal and postmenopausal, to to your point about your appetite, right? It's so affected by your hormone levels. So sometimes postmenopause, I've heard and I've experienced, you know, people, your appetite's really decreased, Right. So trying to get in all unless you're like really active, like so that really having that active lifestyle helps increase your appetite postmenopause and um, really making it a conscious effort Mm -hmm. to consume the right percentages or the right grams, the appropriate grams per day of protein can be work for some people. (laughs) So it's it's, it's hard. It's hard. And if you're plant based. That's yeah, where I like to say that Bragg's amino acids, the liquid amino acids, one, it's great because it's gluten-free. Um, I'm celiac, so I love that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, it's packed with sodium. So you can't you can't be like, oh, I'm going to replace my chicken and just douse everything in Bragg's liquid amino acids. You're, <laughs> it doesn't have much protein. It's just, it has, actually, it has more than, I think it, it says it has, oh, I can't remember says it has over, has a lot of, oh, 16 amino acids. So it's got a lot actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would not replace that. I think if you have a plant-based diet or you're vegan, it's important to just incorporate that because it's mm-hmm. just added benefits um, along with, you know, on top of your bean and quinoa hash, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a helpful tool. Yeah. And it adds, you know, it, Alan taught us this a long time ago. It adds so much flavor, um, you know, 
and salt. So you can kind of just cross yeah. off the salt oh. with that in terms of like the, so the palate, you know, how it hits your palate. It's salty and um, it's satisfying. And then for the athletes that I know that that was the context I was originally introduced to it, um, you know, cooking for athletes. And I know it cooks for dancers too, where they have those sodium demands. Right. And mm-hmm. so yeah. um, that's really good. But for the vegetarian too, it just kind of balances things out nicely. Yeah. And, and it says like soy is difficult. Soy is, we don't want to consume too much soy um, because it's an estrogen inhibitor or not inhibitor, prohibitor. Um, and so if you're concerned about the soy and if you want to use more like of the Bragg's liquid amino acids and whatnot, another alternative is coconut aminos. I just made, I actually just showed a whole bunch of junior kids how to make rice cakes, Alan Lim style. Yes. But I added coconut aminos this time and it's a little bit sweeter. Um, but again, they have amino acids in them. So it's kind of that it's a, it's a good utilization of a tool, not a replacement, but an enhancement. That's why I like to say enhancement. What product do you use for the coconut aminos? You don't have to give a brand name, but like, is it, or if you want, (laughs) well, we, I just haven't used that before. I'm so intrigued. There's lots of like, um, I would just look, what would a listener out for? there, but what, what it comes to is just, you can look it up. There's a whole bunch on Amazon again, kind of like our first episode, check the ingredients list, yeah. make sure it's not just like, cause I'm sure some of them, they, they will add sugar. It should just be from coconut nectar. Um, that's how they, okay. they like cook it down. Like the aminos, um, from the soy, like that's why it's so dark. Cause they really cook it down and that's, it really brings out the protein from soy cause soy is pretty high in protein. And same with coconut nectar. There's not as much protein in that one, but there's still some good amino acids. So good take check away. the ingredients list. That's that's always. And I think actually, I don't quote me on this, but I think coconut aminos has a little bit less sodium. Okay. What about fat? I don't know. Are you are we ready to kind of jump into that third macro? Um... Yeah, we can go. We have a few myths. We can oh. maybe we can go over a couple myths. Okay, let's first talk about those myths for protein. Yeah. And then, and then we'll jump into the, um, fat macro conversation. Okay. So, um, I want to ask you about this one first. I'm going to jump out of order if you're okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. High protein diets are the best way to lose weight. Tell me why people feel that way. If there's any truth to that. Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) Um, Again, this is the whole like thing on. The ma- like the macros of finding balance there there is that myth of like everyone's like oh you gotta really load up on the protein because there's that you know it, it does help appetite it mm-hmm. takes a long time to digest and it promotes building a muscle so that everyone's like okay lean muscle mass it's great but again we need energy from the carbs and we need healthy fats for hormonal function and stuff to help drive that and protein doesn't really have fiber So again, back to episode two, our microbiome and our metabolism is, is healthy when we have good amounts of fiber. And so if we're not getting that, then it's going to be difficult for our metabolism to be healthy, which is like higher and producing energy. Cause again, metabolism drives energy creation. And so if you're just high amounts of protein, then you might be missing out on 
other things like fiber, Mm -hmm. but also protein Mm -hmm. is nitrogen. And so here goes to the excess amount of things. Any excess amount goes to our kidneys um, or our liver, and that can cause extra stress on that system. So then your body's like, oh my gosh, I have to figure out how to process this and get rid of it. So you'll, you'll pee it out, Mm -hmm. but too much of that can lead to issues as well. So again, balance is key. Okay, great. And I think you kind of hit on this um, myth about needing large amounts of protein to build muscle and what happens when we have too much. Uh, But I wanted to ask you next about the difference between plant-based proteins and animal-based proteins. And there's there's a, a perception that animal, or I mean, plant-based proteins are inferior to animal-based proteins. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So this is kind of when we were talking about the amino acids. So mm-hmm. most animal-based proteins are high in essential amino acids. So we're getting everything we need. Great. But some plant-based proteins are a mm-hmm. very valuable source of like legumes. Oh my gosh. They're packed with fiber, packed with protein, but they're lacking the essential amino acids. So that's where it comes into understanding what's in your food and understanding a good combination. If you're on a plant-based diet of, you know, liquid aminos and brown rice for extra fiber and protein and lentils for protein. And within all of that, you're getting essential amino acids. Again, we want those, we need those nine essential amino acids. Um, They're important. Okay, and one last uh, myth of, regarding protein, and we talked a little bit about it in supplementation when we were talking about that, but, and we'll, uh, just in summary, or what's your recommendation on protein powders? Um, because there's that myth that you have to have that um, to meet your protein needs. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's, personally, I love protein powder because <laughs> it for me, it tastes good. I know for some people, it's like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> But some of them are better than others. We're just going to say them are better than others. <laughs> Not all protein and, powders are created equal. <laughs> oh, and there's so many out there. Yeah. Uh, Tell us also a little bit about the different types. There's, there's whey, there's casein, which is better at night. Uh, we could go into another podcast about this, but okay. there's, there's Let's soy, <laughs> there's soy, there's pea protein. Again, make sure you're finding a protein that's balanced in amino acids. Check that ingredient list. You don't want to see too many fillers and oils like sunflower oil, safflower oil. You don't really want to see that stuff in there. You want it to be pure source. Sometimes I'll just stick with egg white protein Mm because I'm dairy free. So I'll just be like, I want egg white protein because sometimes the pea protein has a lot of omega-6 in it. And so you also don't want to over consume it because I like to look at protein powders as a supplement. So again, we can't overdo it. Um, If you're like, oh my gosh, they're so expensive because they are, Mm -hmm. it's okay. If after your ride, you can make your own thing. You can make muffins that are that four to one ratio to help you restore, again, back to the food first approach. There's, I mean, you go to the grocery store and, and you stay on the outside aisle with the whole foods. There's a lot of foods out there, beans and rice and lentils and tofu and all this stuff that you can really get adequate amounts of protein and not have to do protein powder. I mean, when we were out in the wilderness, we weren't eating protein powder, you know, we were eating 
what we needed to eat through food. So. Mm -hmm. All right. I love it. I love uh, just, you know, in summary I, and just kind of keep hitting the same point of food first and balance are two themes that I think I hear you <laughs> saying and are so in alignment with Vision Quest Wellness and your, um, I think your coaching platform too is, you know, yeah. knowing yourself and, um, and eating balanced food for, and, and a, a food first approach to your nutrition. So we and, and this goes, yeah, this goes into the next one, which is becoming quite popular these days. And it's fat. <laughs> fat. Yes. Not all fats are created equal. I want to ask you to talk a little bit about why I shouldn't always choose bacon as my fat. And <laughs> um, I'm sure it's obvious, but maybe you can start there. Tell us a little bit about fats, uh, what kind, and, and what are the recommended amounts we should be eating in a day? Okay. Yeah. The, the way things have changed a little bit is now fats are a little bit seen as healthier, which is, I'm really glad because when I was a kid growing up, fats were very bad for you. They were going to make you fat. If you ate fat, you would get fat. Here goes the concept again of everyone digests things different. Some people are better on higher fat diets, especially as you're aging. And some people are better with a more balanced, lower fat diet, more plant-based. Again, this is individual, but we still need fats in our diets. If you're plant-based, you're probably getting fats from avocado, seeds, and nuts. And so, like you said, all fats are created different. They're not equal. They're, They're not, not the equal. same. So bacon fat is different from seed fat, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Avocado fat's different from canola oil. <laughs> so they all are different. We can really get into the carbon bonds of certain oils and stuff. But again, I want to go to that whole food source is oils are great. Um, we just want to be careful on like too much. Again, too much of anything. And the thing about fats is it's very nutrient dense. So nine calories per gram of fat compared to carbs and protein, which are four. Um, fun fact, alcohol is more. Mm. <laughs> well, alcohol is, I think, eight. <laughs> but fats are essential. We need fats. Um, they're some essential for absorption of fat-soluble vitamins and minerals. And this is where we get into the micronutrients just a little bit. Um, for those to actually be absorbed, every cell in our body, every cell, the cellular membranes is coated by a thing of fat. And so that also drives our immune support. Um, our bodies use fat for energy. And that's kind of like but it's also used as insulation and it's that component to the cellular membranes. So we need it. We do need it. And they're needed for that absorption of vitamins and minerals. And these are the fat soluble vitamins. Not all vitamins are fat soluble, mm -hmm. um, but the ones that are, are A, D, E, and K, we, we need those. And here we go again. Fats are good for hormone production and signaling. So you're kind of getting the gist of all macronutrients are good for hormones. Mm -hmm. So again, the balance. So, so what are the right, did you, did you tell us the recommended amounts there um, per day? Uh, no. Okay. That's a really awesome though, because the recommended amounts 
are like pretty the same for everybody. Um, because there's not like, there's not like a threshold and there's not too little. Well, there's always too little, but there's not like a too much. The recommendation, this has gone across the board is 20 to 35%. Of your total dietary daily intake. Uh, yep. Your total dietary okay. intake. Yep. And then again, just in summary, what are the better fats that you choose in a day? Yeah. So we want to look for, um, omega threes, omega six. Like, what are some foods that you love oh, to get? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to yeah. <laughs> like, no. oh. um, nuts, seeds, avocados are a really great source because they also have some fiber and okay. other micronutrients. Um, you've got, oh my gosh, help me out here. Now, I now have... you put me on the spot. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> I think that's it. Fish, right? I think some fish. fish yeah. Some fish fish is good. Um, <clears throat> and so then, about yeah, I think that, I mean, nuts is such a big um, category, right? And, yeah. and I feel like Robbie's always trying to remind me that I only need <laughs> very small amount because I want to eat like yeah. a whole big bowl oh, and that's nuts. <laughs> And that's where you can make a good like nut mix with other things in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just yeah, nuts are very calorie dense. Yeah. That's, that's what I need the reminder on because I've, you know, shifted like a long time ago. I was obsessed with, I still am obsessed with bacon. Like it just is the greatest. In fact, they made me a shirt at VQ when I was training for a half marathon, like when I revisited running for a while and it said, um, I run for bacon and then <laughs> follow me to VQ, but it's kind of a joke. And it isn't actually because, you know, can you like that whole idea, can you outrun a bad diet or can you, you know, is that really the best source of fat or is that one of those things that really goes into the category to your point of like, have, have it occasionally a little bit so that, you know, you're not totally restricted, but it's really not the best fat source for you. Um, but as you know, throughout my progression and, and like learning a little bit more about nutrition through nutrition coaching and all that, it I've realized, <laughs> you know, the nuts are probably a little better. But then again, I need that reminder of once you warm up the nuts and just they're so delicious <laughs> and it's hard they're to good. stick with a small yeah. serving. You can cut yeah, this. Yeah, it is. Oh, I love nuts. <laughs> well, you also have to think nuts have shells for a reason. So they're pretty hard for our body to break down. My dad is actually allergic to almonds. Oh, he used to just do handfuls of almonds. And so Mm. I think he kind of created this allergy because they're pretty hard on the digestive system. So making sure, and also again, look at the ingredients. Some of the nuts are coated in soybean oil and Mm. you don't necessarily need that extra omega six. There's a lot of omega six in our diets Mm -hmm. um, through processed foods. And again, over too much, it can cause issues. Um, linoleic acid, that's what it's known as. Do you um, recommend buying raw nuts and then just, um, you know, seasoning them? I know there's some good recipes on, you know, yeah. you can add different flavors, garlic, salt, or whatever. Some uh, coconut aminos on there. Oh. I've actually loved to make my own nut mixes where I'll like cut carrots and stuff and dry them. And you can also put like freeze dried like vegetables in there. So it's like, you're not just getting all nuts, but you're also getting some good fibers. You're getting, I also like to just do, I always have these crazy looking jars in my house of like mixtures of rice and quinoa and mm-hmm. and nuts and seeds and, and stuff like that. Because again, you want to add to that variety. It's good to focus on the single group, but if you're going to be like kind of consuming a little jar a day or whatever, you want to make sure you're getting a variety of things, especially if it's a snack. 
I like to say when you're snacking, it's not necessarily wonderful to always mono meal, which means just one food group. So if it's just like an apple for a snack, try to pair that with some protein, you know, try to pair that with some hummus, some healthy fats. Um, yeah, so nuts are pretty dense, but yeah, we don't need much. So it's good to focus on the amounts. I always like to have like pumpkin seeds and you can get, this is the other thing is to help them more bioavailable to our body and digestible is sprouted. So you can find sprouted pumpkin seeds. What that happen, happens is they, it's kind of like a fermentation process. And we'll get this into a future podcast about the gut microbiome, but the sprouting kind of releases those extra toxins that can make it difficult for your body to break down. And it allows it for be to be a little more bioavailable. So you can find some good, Go Raw is a really good company. Yeah. They make great, great sprouted things. So. so, all right. In talking about fats, are there any of these myths that you want to tackle in the last couple of minutes we have together here? Yeah, let's just wrap Which it up you- here. <laughs> Go through these. So, yeah. Okay. I'll just, I'll start with this one. Um, all fats are bad for you. <laughs> this is like. Oh my gosh, this reminds me of when I was a kid, like seeing mm. everything. It's like that free, that right. free. Oh my gosh. Um, and this kind of goes to another, the next myth, which is fat free or low fat foods are always healthier choice. They're kind of, they go hand in hand. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, fats are a really important macronutrient for our bodies, for energy, for insulation, for cell membranes, for hormonal health. So we want to, again, focus on consuming healthy amounts. Of course, if you have bacon, that's fine. You know, we actually do need some kind of saturated fat in our bodies for good cholesterol. Yes, there's that like saturated fats really bad for bad cholesterol. And again, too much. And that goes into another myth. I see I could just knock these off so fast. But saturated health, you know, saturated fats, I mean, um, we need a little bit of it for the good cholesterol. Again, too much is usually coming from those really highly processed foods. Mm-hmm. So it's that combination of the salts, the, the fats and the simple yeah. carbs. So if um, you're reading, yeah, if you're reading on a label that says, <clears throat> you know, fat free or low fat, it's probably not a naturally low fat food. <laughs> and so it's better yeah. to go choose, you know, something not in a package, right? Yeah. And think of it like the yogurt's always a really good example or oh, milk. Yeah. yeah. Um, fat in culinary is used as flavor. I mean, it tastes freaking good. I love that. Like it just creamy. Oh my gosh. Now I'm hungry. Um, but if you take that away, the food companies aren't going to be like, Oh, we're selling you this terrible tasting product. Let's see if people will buy it. No, no one's going to buy it. You can tell there's been some like foods that have come through and everyone's like, this is the worst. And like shark tanks, like you're never going to make a profit. And then they disappear because no one wants it. Mm-hmm. So if they go fat free or low fat, you're going to have to replace it with something. So part of kind of those taste buds on our mouths, we love salt, we love sugar, we love fat. And there's unami. There's four, four senses. That's what the unami one's kind of interesting. But tell me about that. Yeah. So that's, that's what I our body craves. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what our body craves is those four kind of flavors because that's, what is our driver for survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are sour and bitter is not much high on that list. Yeah. We sometimes like it, but it's because it's paired with either salty or sweet. 
um, because sour and bitter is known as toxic. So, you know, when we were foraging out in the forests or somewhere yonder, um, we would stay away from the sour berries because most likely they were poisonous. And we'd go for the sweet fruit because that was ripe and full of good carbohydrates and would fuel our energy. So we have those four kind of sensors and the Unami one's really cool. Um, we'll get to that in the futures. <laughs> but, okay, um, we'll save it for the next one. <laughs> yeah, but that fat, so you take away that fat from that yogurt, it's going to taste terrible. <laughs> you know, like if you, it's just, it doesn't taste right. It's like if you get Greek yogurt, but you like take that creaminess away and it's just like that water on top, that kefir. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. It's like sour and gross. So they're going to be like, all right, we're taking this away. So we're going to add in this and this and this and this. So take a look at those ingredients. I, I encourage you to go to the grocery store and just kind of take a look at those like brands where it's like green, it says fat free, it's healthy, 0% fat. Mm. Um, take a look at the back of that and see kind of what they add to try to compensate for the flavor. And so I always like to say, if you're going to go for yogurts and stuff, it's good to go for plain, normal, like regular. It doesn't have to, it's not going to say high fat, but just regular. <laughs> um, and then use your own sources, like some, some berries and things on top um, to help make it taste better. But again, usually these fat free, they take, they add a lot of sugar in and yogurt is a really good source of probiotics and prebiotics, well, probiotics. And if you add a lot of sugar into the probiotics, it's too much and it's not going to be, it's kind of going to kill it off. So it's not really going to be beneficial for your microbiome. Um, we'll get into that. But so again, it's important to read those ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, and I just wanted to kind of this next one, it's saying eat, eating fat makes you fat. That's this whole like, no, it doesn't. We have to make sure we're not going to eat a whole tub of yogurt. I mean, that's a lot. Um, that is very nutrient dense and calorie dense. But again, it's combining it with a good, that's why we want the macro to be, we want all three macros to be together because it's just a good combination. So I think... Yeah, because the, the last myth here is a low-fat diet is always healthy. And again, that goes to we want the balance. I think that's yeah. a word today is balance. Balance. Well, Charlotte, it is always so fun to sit and talk with you. And I think our listeners today will um, hear, you know, that <clears throat> I think part of your paradigm for how you see, you know, food is, you know, very, it's, it's common sense approach, right? It's a common sense approach where, you know, read the, be informed, read the labels, know what you're eating. Um, obviously choose a balanced diet, uh, for your optimum health, know your needs, right? What, what are your individual needs? And then also the last thing is, you know, always a food first approach, right? So yeah. I think combining all of those things of food first, knowing your needs, um, eating a balanced diet, and just using good common sense will help fuel our listeners into better health and well-being. So I yeah. look forward to our next installment of Food uh, Nutrition 101, which is I might have been unclear before, but it's the third installment of this Nutrition Basics uh, webinar. But it's it's it will be the fourth, I think, um, episode in Rooted in Health. Yeah, soon we'll 
lose count, but <laughs> yeah, I, yes. you know, it's, and again, this all goes to just trying to also create that mental positivity around food. I think there's been some negativity around it. I've had experience with that too. And if we can make it positive, then we thrive. You know, you can see there's people out there that are totally thriving. They don't even think my fiance, he's just, he eats when he wants, you know, he, he's the relationship is there, but we, we tend to overthink because there's so many things telling us to do this, do that, do this. And so again, back to the basics of food first approach and balance mm -hmm. and, and it changes, you know, we all change. We can't be the same. Um, our bodies like to change. And if we are the same, our bodies will hack that system and then our metabolism will decrease. So yeah. Thank you everyone for listening today. And thank you, Lori. Thank you. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure spending time together. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs> All right.